0: All right, everybody, let's take a seat. It's good to see you. Good morning. New Life Church, everybody okay? Everybody good? How about that worship this morning? It was full, it was rich, it was soul stirring. Definitely soul stirring. Well, listen, let me invite you to open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. This week is, what is, is what's called Passion Week or Holy Week, and uh, you should have there in your seats uh, a little um, outline for the week, and it's really an invitation uh, for, for you all, and um, most recently I was just nominated and, uh, and voted on and approved to become the president of Jackson Area Ministerial Association. I serve along with one of our elders, Thomas Vargis. Uh, in case you didn't know, he is also on that board as well. Yes. Uh, his praying and his nudging, and along with a few other guys, uh, they encouraged me to, to accept. And most importantly, I, I prayed about it, and the Lord said, do it, so I'm going to do it. And going to serve the city of Jackson, the churches of Jackson. So I ask you to pray for me. Uh, it's a pretty big deal. Uh, I have to be available to a lot of different things, and uh, but I ask you to pray for me uh, in this endeavor. And part of that this week is Holy Week. We, there are services available throughout the city. It shows the location of the host church along with who's speaking. And, um, and, and it's uh, Monday through Friday. Uh, it's at 12 noon every day. The service is... Uh, is, is about a half hour, and then it follows up with about a half hour of lunch. So lunch will be served as well, except on Friday, Good Friday, there will not be lunch served. Okay, so Monday through Thursday, lunch will be provided at these uh, various churches. Our church is actually co-hosting on Thursday with the host church, Northside Assembly of God Church. We're helping to provide lunch with them on that particular day. And then in the bottom right-hand corner, you'll see a name, my name. I'm actually speaking uh, on Good Friday at the Good Friday service, so if you could pick one, I really would hope you would pick Friday to come. If you could only come to one, and that's the only one you could come, I'd really like to see your face there. Uh, It would help me out a whole lot, but um, anyways, I just want to encourage you to come. Come to all, come to one, just come to uh, whichever ones you can and and make make it a, a possibility this week in your schedule, all right? Well, let's get ready for the word. Let's pray over what God is going to continue to speak to us today. Father, we're thankful and we're grateful for today. We honor you and we recognize your presence here in our midst. And Lord, we don't take that for granted and we don't take it lightly. We thank you that you want to be with us. You enjoy fellowship with your people and so now as we open your word to break this bread of life open, I pray you would, um, that we would be open and um, ready to receive it. And as, as so, and you serve it to us, Lord, may it work its way into every part of our life where it needs to work and produce your kingdom and your righteousness within us. We thank you now and we honor you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody can say amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 21, we're starting a series today called Easter Changes Everything. Next weekend, big week, Easter. This week, as I mentioned, is Holy Week, Passion Week. And so, right here in chapter 21, uh, the story of the triumphant entry uh, takes place on on Sunday, what is traditionally called as Palm Sunday, and you'll see why here in a moment in Scripture but this, is, this is prefaces the, uh, the cross, this prefaces the Last Supper, this prefaces Jesus' betrayal, this prefaces his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, and of course it prefaces the conclusion of this week called Easter, Resurrection Sunday. And so a week from today, Easter, we're going to be celebrating what real life is all about because Jesus rose from the grave. Jesus is at the right hand of God the Father, forever making intercession for us. And Jesus is going to be coming back again to claim his bride here on this earth. And it will be a new heaven and a new earth, and all things will be made new. Everything will be made new. And that day is going to happen. But right here, let's look at how it it kind of begins in Matthew chapter 21. Have Have you guys... You know, I don't want anybody answering out loud or raising your hand. Just internally, um, are you completely satisfied with the way your life has turned out so far? I mean, are you completely satisfied with everything that has happened in your life? Obviously, there's probably a lot of good that you're proud of, you're pleased with. A lot of things, obviously, the Lord has orchestrated and worked out. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 those, those are good things. But there's also a lot of things in our life that we've collected along our path of life. Things that have stuck to us. Things that have gotten heavy. Turns along the way that we didn't see. Outcomes of situations that we hoped would be different. And we live in this fallen world, and that's why things like that happen. Sin is here. Sorrow exists. Sickness exists affects us, feelings get hurt, all those types of things. And so along life's path, things don't always happen the way we want them to happen. And then we're also in this fallen world, and we have decisions that we make. We have choices that we have made that can contribute to good, bad, or ugly, or indifferent, however it works out. But we're in this life, and not everything, obviously, not everything in our life are we pleased with or satisfied with. And so we've, we've come along a path, however long that path has been in, in, in time, and we, it comes with a history. We have a history behind us. And sometimes in life we can, we can feel lost. Sometimes we can feel lost, and it's amazing how the cycles of life can change and shift and situations can turn on a dime. And And then we can cause us to to feel lost inside, kind of feel lost on this planet, feel lost not knowing our place, not knowing our purpose because of different things that happen. And then other times in life it leaves us feeling unsatisfied, unfulfilled, and longing for more, believing perhaps that the true meaning of life, there's got to be more to it. There's got to be more than what we have experienced, and even the highest of heights, there's always more to it in the Lord. And sometimes life has a way of leaving us empty, leaving us unfulfilled, leaving us dissatisfied, and that can happen to any single one of us and every single one of us, but it doesn't mean we have to stay living our past. It doesn't mean we have to stay lost and it doesn't mean we have to stay dissatisfied or unfulfilled. And that is where Jesus comes in. That is where Jesus comes in because you and I were never meant to find the answer within our own self. You and I were never meant to find the answer to life in the person next to us or someone else in this world. You and I were never meant to find our, our, our meaning in, in any one particular thing we may do in this life or any one particular thing we may own in this life. No, Jesus, part of the Godhead, the Trinity, God the Father, made us to look to Him. That's what this whole worship moment was about this morning, is reorienting, as Pastor Lindsay prayed, reorienting our focus, our perspective, Shifting us to see the Lord above, high, and risen, and exalted above everything else. And so let's look at, that's where Jesus comes in here in Matthew chapter 21. Verse 1 says, As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say, the Lord needs them. And he will immediately let you take them. It won't always work if you're trying to get in someone else's car and you tell that person, well, the Lord said, I need them. It probably not going to let you take off with it. Especially if it's like a Lamborghini or something like that. It's just not going to happen. It said, this took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem. The prophet here, he's going back, saying this is what the prophet said. And what I'm doing, what is about to happen is fulfillment of that. Tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. Your king is coming to you. I love that. He said, look, your king is coming to you. Some of you need to hear that today. Your king is coming to you. You've been asking and wondering, is Jesus coming? Is he going to be aware of my situation? Does he, does he answer my prayer? Can he see the affliction of my soul? Can he see the torment of my mind? Your king is coming to you. Today I want you to know on this Sunday, Palm Sunday, the day leading up to the crucifixion and the day preceding, Resurrection in just a week, your king is coming to you. You need to be looking. You need to be ready. You need to live with anticipation and expectation. In fact, that's part of why we gather together every week as a church body, to come with expectation that when I gather in the house of God, my God will be there to meet me. My God will be there to greet me. My God will speak to me through his word. His spirit will touch my spirit. His presence will touch my heart. Look, your king is coming. And Jesus says, Telling his disciples, this is fulfilling of the prophecy. And some of you need to grab a hold of the prophetic words in your life today. Don't forget what God has said. Because look, your king is coming. And how is he coming? Well, in this instance, it came like this. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's coat. And some people just didn't like that. Not my king. I thought kings were supposed to be ushered in on chariots, pulled by mighty horses, rolling out the red carpet, ruling with a gold scepter, speaking with thou and thee. That's Jesus. He flips the script. He says, look, your king is coming. Instead of pious robes, he comes in robes of humility. Instead of talking down to people, he stoops down to help people. That is Jesus. That is our king. He came into town riding on a donkey. Now I'm reading from the New Living Translation. If you read from King James, it'll have a different word there. It says the two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt. Now, some of you are gonna look what King James says. <laughs> they brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches, palm branches. ...from the trees and spread them on the road, hence Palm Sunday. Jesus was in the center of the procession. Where was Jesus? In the center of the procession. He was in the center of the procession. And the people all around him were shouting, "...Praise God for the Son of David, blessings on the one who who comes in the name of the Lord." Praise God in the highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. And he didn't even come in with a chariot and horses. He came in on a donkey and they still got in an uproar. How about that? He didn't file a permit with the city to make sure he could have a parade. He didn't make sure there were barricades. He didn't make sure there were food trucks to get people to show up. Nothing wrong with food trucks. I like the taco one. Those are pretty good. I like the ice cream one, too. Those are good. He didn't have a a, a meeting set up ahead of time. Hey, guys, I need you to go meet with the mayor and the city council and make sure everything's good to go, make sure everybody's on my side. Now he just did what the Word of God told him to do. And he rode in on a donkey. And they, his disciples took their cloaks off, put it on the back of the donkey, sat on it, rode it into town. And as he rode into town, these people threw their palm branches on the ground, welcoming him. And Jesus was in the center of the procession. And that, my friends, is where Jesus deserves to be in our life. When we put Him in the center, when we welcome Him into town and we make Him the center of our life and we worship Him, He has a way of keeping our life together. Even when our life seems to be falling apart. Even when we feel like our history, our past is too ugly and too big and too complicated and too too iffy and too wishy-washy and too all these things. Or even if we're in a place where we feel lost and, and uncertain and confused about life, and really out of place right now, wondering what I'm supposed to do, how I'm supposed to be functioning, how I'm supposed to be getting along in this world right now because of what what has happened to me, what I've been going through. Maybe feeling dissatisfied, unfulfilled, hungry, and longing for more, not sure when that's going to happen. Keeping Jesus at the center. Is what will keep your life together, even when life feels like it's falling apart. Jesus was at the center, and the people all around him were shouting and praising him, giving him the honor, giving him the glory. They were, I mean, they were giving him the parade of a lifetime, they were worshiping him. And then it said the entire city was in in an uproar. And they asked, who is this? Who is this? And the people said, the crowds that were gathered there said, it's Jesus. Who does this? Who comes in like this? Who presents themselves like this? Who rides into town like this? Jesus. Jesus. They said, Jesus. He said, look, your king is coming, and he's here. Will you recognize him? Will you acknowledge him? Will you worship him? Will you welcome him? Will you walk with him? It was a procession. I mean, there was forward movement involved. Will you go forward with Jesus? And the only way you and I can go forward in life is keeping Jesus at the center of our life. When we're lost, when we're confused, when we just don't understand, when we just don't know how to gain traction. Keep Jesus at the center. How? Worship Him. Acknowledge Him. And determine, no matter what, I'm going to walk with Him. It's Jesus. They said the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus. The triumphant entry, this story I think shows a whole lot and one thing, one big thing I think it shows is it shows that Jesus loves to ride in and change lives. Jesus loves to ride into town and change lives. I think this story shows that Jesus as he rides in that he likes to change the trajectory of the human life by first changing the condition of the human heart you see when our hearts become changed by Jesus then the trajectory of our life can go where God intended it to go yes hell will be against you people won't like you difficult situations will arise the enemy will try to sow seeds of discord and tempt you with deception and get you to believe a lie But you need to always remember your king is coming. And he rides into town to change a life. And he changes a life by changing a heart. Now, the interesting thing about this story is this story is in all four of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're reading today from Matthew's version. They all write it. It's all in there. That just means this. It's really, really important. Not that nothing else is important if it doesn't exactly fall into all four of the Gospels that way. But this one especially, you need to pay close attention to. This is a preface to the conclusion of the resurrection. Before the resurrection, Jesus must first ride into town. Before he can rise up, he must first reside within. We want Jesus to rise. We want him to resurrect. We want him to build new life, absolutely. But before he can do that, he must first ride in and reside within. And it's up to you and I to make sure we give him the room. We give him the access. We give him permission to walk in and do what he is called to do. Because, see, the thing about it is we go through life, things along our path, will try to close up areas of our heart. They'll try to get us to conceal and hide things from the Lord. Now, you and I know we can't do that, but we sure do try real hard to do that. And here is the thing. Jesus will not enter in to that which is closed off. We must give him entrance. We must give him access. That's why he knocks the door of our heart. That's why he puts us in positions and situations and circumstances throughout life to get our attention, to let him come in, to let him reside within, and as he resides within us, he begins to make the changes within us. And therefore, the trajectory of our life goes in the direction and the pace that it needs to go in according to his will and his plan. And it's interesting, each of these in the Gospels, this story, the triumphant entry, there's a story that takes place before this story. There's a story that takes place before each triumphant entry in each of the Gospels. In Mark's Gospel, you'll find the triumphant story in Mark chapter 11. But in Mark chapter 10, there's a story. Jesus has come into Jericho, and he is about to leave Jericho. And as he's about to leave Jericho, there's a man, a blind man. It's actually a blind beggar. They call him Blind Bartimaeus. And it means, his name means son of Timaeus. And here's the thing about blind Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, is he's a blind beggar and he was from, and he is the the offspring of a blind beggar. So here's what it is. He has a history of being a blind beggar. That's his story. That's his life. That's what he knew his dad as. That's what he knows his life as. All he knows to do is to be a beggar because he's blind and he can't do anything else. So Jesus has ridden into town, and he's about to leave town. And he, in blind Bartimaeus, the story goes, Mark says that blind Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was nearby. And what did he do? It said that Bartimaeus shouted, "Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me!" He was shouting that very loudly, and those around him said, Shh, "You need to be quiet." You need to, sh- hush, you need to shut up, maybe. I don't know what they would have said today. We You just need to be quiet. You need to zip it. Hush your mouth. And usually when you tell people they can't do something, most of the time that means they want to do it even more, right? So that's what blind Bartimaeus did. He's like, I forget you. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of a blind beggar, had a history, but he knew he had heard some stories about Jesus, and Jesus was in his town, Jesus had ridden in, and he called out, you need to get this, he called out to Jesus, Jesus, I need you, Jesus have mercy on me, and so Jesus heard the man calling out, and so Jesus called back. And he told them, hey, bring him to me. So they went over to him and they said, hey, you need to cheer up because this guy wants you. Go over to him. So here's what happened. They did not, the story doesn't show that they led him over there. The story is written. That Here's what Bartimaeus blind, Bartimaeus son of Timaeus, son of a blind beggar, himself a blind beggar, did after calling out to Jesus. Jesus hearing him, calling back to him, telling him, hey, come to me. Come to me. You want me? Come to me. You heard I was here? Come to me. Now he could use his excuse, I'm blind, I can't. Right? How many times have we used our excuse, I can't? Jesus wants to test the sincerity of our hearts. Do you want me? Okay, come to me. So here's what Timaeus did, or Bartimaeus did. It said he cast off his coat, he threw off his coat. What is the significance of that? His entire life, his history says he has been wearing this coat, which ties him to the position of being a blind man beggar, and from the family of blind beggars. So what did Bartimaeus do? He called to Jesus. Jesus called back, told him to come to him. Bartimaeus threw off his coat. In other words, he took off his labels. He took off the the false identity that he had been wearing his entire life. And his coat also, I think, represents his self-sufficiency. He had been making life happen for him. Not in, I mean, the best he could, the best he could, but it was all tied to being a blind beggar. What coat are you wearing? What labels have you allowed yourself to wear that other people have put on you that keep you from advancing in the progress of God's purpose for your life? What self sufficiencies? do you operate in that cause you to cheer yourself more than you cheer God? What are you most proud of in your achievements more than God's achievements in your own life? Labels, false identities, self-sufficiency. Bartimaeus heard Jesus was in town knowing he has a history, but he didn't like his history. You see, people with a history, they just want things to turn around. They want things to change. They want things to be okay. They want things to be better. People with a history, man, people with a past, people with a story, people with some problems, people with some issues, people with the wrong things happening in their life, they just want the story, the script, the narrative to be flipped. And the only one who can flip it and rewrite it is Jesus. But we've got to call out to Jesus. And then we've got to be willing to throw off our coat. I should have wore a coat today instead of a vest. So I ain't unbuttoning this thing and taking it off. But I should have had a coat on. I would have just, here's a coat. Can I borrow your coat? This is a heavy coat. It probably doesn't fit me very well. I don't know. It might. I don't know. But this ain't me. This is Elizabeth's coat. What are you doing wearing Elizabeth's coat? I don't know. That ain't me. I like it, but it show ain't me, so I cast it off. That is not who I am. Maybe I should wear this coat. I don't know. let me have this coat right here. You gotta work with me if you sit on the front row. You gotta follow, you gotta you gotta follow suit. Now I know this coat. Oh, it's heavy. Yeah, you got some stuff in there. I'm not gonna throw this coat, but man, this coat's big. This coat's heavy. But if I walk around in this coat, y'all going to think I done lost my mind. I'd look like a beggar in this coat, right? (laughs) No offense. You look like a prince. I look like a pauper. I can't help it. It's all in what is supposed to be upon you. And that is not supposed to be on me. Some of the labels you got, eh, like Steve Harvey on Family Feud, three X's, you're done, you don't win. You can't have it. You should not wear it. You should not own it. You should not display it. It should not be in your closet. You should not have to look at it and think, should I or shouldn't I wear that? Because every single day, the devil will tell you, go ahead and put that cloak on. Go ahead and fit that around you. It is you. It fits you. It is who you are. And no, the devil is a liar. That is not who you are. That is not your label. That is not your identity. Because God has called you to rise. God has called you to grow. God has called you to be. God has not called you to lie down. No, God has called you upward and onward in what he has for you. Don't wear the label. Call out to Jesus. Go to his voice. That's exactly what he did. He took it off. And then it said he jumped up. He jumped up. He jumped up. And he went to Jesus. He could go to Jesus because he called out to Jesus, and Jesus called him to himself, and he calls you to himself. Jesus is always calling you to himself. And Jesus asked him the question, what do you want me to do for you? Simple quote, duh, don't you see it? Right? I mean, he could get cross with him, but he didn't. Jesus is asking you and me, what do you want me to do for you? And the man said, I don't, he didn't say, I want to be rich. He just said, I want to see. That was his greatest need because that had been his greatest false identity his entire life. He had been labeled by not seeing, he had been identified as not seeing. He provided a living on his own by not seeing. And now he knew, I need my history to change, therefore, I. I need to change, and what needs to change most about me is I need to see. Jesus rides into town, and he comes for those with a history. You got a history? Let Jesus change it for you. Don't stay in it all day. You guys got a few more minutes? My watch is, like, almost quit, so I have to, like, rely on the uh, phone. You can read about the uh, triumphant entry in Luke. Luke talks about it in Luke 19, but just before that triumphant entry in Luke 19, there's a story about uh, a wee little man by the name of Zacchaeus. Now, I don't know how he would take, uh, take that these days, but that's the song people made up about him. A wee little man was he. But in Zacchaeus was in Jericho. Jesus had gone into Jericho. And Zacchaeus had heard that Jesus was near. He was nearby. You sure you got time for this story? Because I won't preach it to you if you all are ready to go on home. You all ready to go on home? All right. So if you are, you got overridden by the louder ones, okay? So there in Jericho, Zacchaeus is filthy rich. He's got money. He can make it rain. God, he's got bills and he probably had grills. <laughs> not barbecue grills. I don't know if he did or not, but he did have money. It said he was the chief tax collector. That means he, he, he did things poorly, badly. He was IRS guy. I mean, the top, okay? And he heard that Jesus was in town. Something about hearing about Jesus got his attention. And he said he was short, so he couldn't see over the crowd. So what did he do? Climbed up a sycamore tree. Because he was thinking, I see the route, I see how it's working, I see that tree, I'm going to climb that tree, because I think that's where Jesus is going to pass by. I'll get a chance to see him. So he climbs up, Bartimaeus called out, Zacchaeus climbs up, and Jesus does, he walks that way, and when Jesus gets near the tree, he looks up, he sees Zacchaeus, and he calls Zacchaeus by name. Now as far as we know, I don't think they have ever met before, but Jesus knew his name. Jesus saw him, and Jesus called him by his name. Zacchaeus was short. He was hidden. Oh, he, he, he would do things to be noticed, and that's often what hidden people do. They'll do things to get noticed. And he, he, he wanted to be noticed. So what did he do? He climbed a tree. He wanted to see Jesus. Jesus saw him, but Jesus didn't just say hi to him and pass by. Jesus called him by his name and said, Come on down, because I want to go to your house. I want to go see your crib. I want to go see what's parked in your driveway. I want to go see your dining room. I want to see what's in your fridge. I want to see what you got in your closet. I want to see your kids playing in the backyard. I want to see that sheepskin rug you got laid out in the front. I want to see your mailbox. I want to see your flower bed. I want to go to your house, Zacchaeus. I'm interested in who you are and everything about you. Zacchaeus, people who are hidden they want to be noticed and they want somebody to remember their name. You ever met somebody, talked to somebody, and then later saw them again and they remembered your name? Anybody ever have that happen or anybody ever had that happen? That's the kind of question that I'm like, okay, now you can raise your hand now. Yeah, that's happened. How did that make you feel? Pretty cool, right? Pretty cool. I went to do a hospital visit uh, last Tuesday at the obviously at the hospital hospital visit, and it's about six thirty. Went to go see one of our members there. Uh, Pray for Eric Brimage, by the way. He's been in and out this last week. He's okay, but just pray for him. And by the way, Brother Charles is back with us. Uh, Yeah. So if you got a mint, you can thank Brother Charles. It was good to see him last week. I forgot to say something, so I, my apologies. But it is so good to see you. It's been a long time coming. I'm glad you're back. But anyway, we went to do a hospital visit. and I was, was going in. Was going in. Um, the uh, CEO was coming out, and I had I knew him, uh, and I met him while I do how long ago. But it, we we saw each other, and we saw each other, and we stopped, shook hands. Hey, how are you doing? How are you doing? Jeremy Smith, New Life Church. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you. I know you. Talked for a minute. And he said, now, if your people in the hospital need anything, you tell them to call me. Pretty cool, eh? Pretty neat. But if I, I walked away from the conversation. I was telling James, who was with me, I was like, I can't believe he actually remembered who I was. But it made me feel pretty special. I know the CEO. <laughs> Not really, but he knows me. Hopefully. But it is cool when people remember you. Jesus knew his name. Called him down. said, I want to go to your house. So they get to his house. They're hanging out. And Zacchaeus finally noticed. No longer hidden. No longer invisible. No longer a nameless, faceless individual. The most important one in the world knew his name. Jesus. And... It said that Zacchaeus told him, he, said, I re- he basically had a repenting moment. He said, Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm going to give half of my wealth to the poor, and anybody that I've ever cheated on their taxes, I'll give them four times back. How would like to have a four times a refund by the IRS? That would be pretty nice, wouldn't it? In other words, it showed Zacchaeus' heart had changed because Jesus came into his life. He was no longer a money-grubbing, manipulating, whatever you want to call it, person. He cared for the people that he had wronged. All because Jesus saw him and called him. And Jesus said, salvation has come into this house, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save those who are lost. Lost people want to be found. Hidden people want to be seen. People want their names to be remembered. And today I want to tell you, Jesus knows your name. He knows your social security number, and he's not going to misuse it. He knows your secrets, and he's not going to air them. He knows what you're thinking about me right now. And if it ain't good, he ain't going to say nothing. Now, I did see this. You were just thinking this. No, I'm kidding. I'm joking. I'm joking. (laughs) Jesus knows you, but he needs to come into your home. He needs to see the places in your life that you've hidden, that you've closed off, that you're trying maybe to work on, but you just don't know how. Keep saying, I just need time just need some time. Friend, the sooner Jesus gets in there, the freer you will be. And it's twelve. And I had one more. Do you want the last one? Are you sure? Because if you don't, okay. (laughs) I don't even really know how long I've been going. I really don't. I'm going to say 35 minutes. That gives me 10 more minutes. John's gospel records the triumphant entry in John chapter 12. The beginning of that chapter is a story about Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. They are in Bethany's where they lived. Here's what was going on. They invited Jesus into their home to have a dinner, a celebration in Jesus' honor. Because Jesus had just recently raised Lazarus from the grave. I think that would probably be something to have, right? And, And so they were there. Bartimaeus called out. Zacchaeus climbed up. Martha, Mary, and Lazarus celebrated. They celebrated. It got Jesus' attention. So he's there to eat with them. It said Martha is doing her thing serving. Lazarus is doing his thing eating. Mary's doing her thing worshiping. And the entire scene captivated. Jesus' attention. So much so that he took up for them and he told Judas basically shut it and quit talking about Mary. When we serve the Lord, when we dine with the Lord, when we worship the Lord, friends, all of those things, Celebrating the life of Jesus in your life. The last worship song we were singing, I had a moment. This, this picture came to my mind from 27 years ago when I first was born again. And the feeling of being saved for the first time began to bubble inside. It's bubbling in me right now. That's called the first love. And we can go through life. We can develop a history. Things can happen. We can carry things and pick up things. Things stick to us that shouldn't be. We can feel lost at times. 27 years of Knowing, the Lord, I have still felt lost at times, confused, dazed. But what must never run out inside of us is what Martha, Lazarus, and Mary showed. They were hungry, so they made a dinner. When you're hungry, what do you want to do? You want to eat. Some of you right now, you're hungry, you're ready to eat. Don't get hangry, then we're in trouble. But you want to eat, right? Jesus, in this picture of this story, shows he satisfies and he fills a hungry heart. Whatever your history is, whatever's happened, it's happened. It's real, it's affected you, it has impacted you, it has left impressions in your memory that has left you wondering, left you lost, left you confused, left you delayed, left you off off course, all the different types of effects. But don't lose your hunger. Whatever you do, don't lose your hunger because Jesus is riding into town. And he's humble. And all he wants you to do is to lay your garments down. Open yourself up to him and say, Lord, you can ride into my life and you can be the king of my heart. That I have a past, I have a history, and I have problems, and I have things I don't really know how to deal with right now, but I'm trying. I'm trying, Lord. I just need you to be strong in my life. And Jesus is saying, look, your king is coming. Your king is coming. Your king is coming. Amen? So whatever you got happening, whatever you got going on, you need to take heart and know that Jesus calls back to you. Jesus knows your name. And Jesus is sitting at your table. And he will fill your longing. He will fill your heart's desire. Amen? Don't eat alone. Don't dine alone. Don't go at life alone. Don't try to make your way on your own, all alone. No, Jesus is here, and he's ridden into town to change your life.